Welcome to the J.P. Morgan Weekender. I'm Bruce Gasman, and w- with me today is Joe Lupton from Parts Unknown. Where are you, Joe? <laughs> Ann Arbor, Michigan. Go blue. Uh, no, we're <laughs> not going down that road. Um, <laughs> let's leave that there. Uh, so we got a lot to talk about. Obviously, we have, uh, I think, uh, a number of interesting uh, data points this week, including the employment report this morning, including the um, PMIs that we've seen uh, so far. And I think the the basic question is, in a world in which we've been looking for a moderation, but not weakness as we move from the third quarter to the fourth quarter, um, are we being challenged now, um, both from what we've seen in the manufacturing PMIs and also from today's employment report, um, with something that's perhaps more more worrisome? I've had actually a few people ask me this morning, whether I'm worried that the U.S. is now falling into recession, which after the conversation on last month's employment report is kind of it's kind of humorous to see how quickly the uh, conversation shifts. So are we sliding into recession, Joe? What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, it is funny, right? So like all year we've been battling the, I guess I'd say, three conflicting themes. One is, are we falling into an immediate recession? Uh, the other, uh, a bit more nuanced was, are we going to have a recession that's just going to come later and require higher interest rates? And then a third is, could we actually be on a path of this rare Goldilocks soft landing? Uh, we've pushed hard against the idea that we're falling into an immediate recession all year. I think as the year is coming near a close, that has proved well for, through the first three quarters of the year. Uh, the data in the past week, I think, has gotten people a bit more excited about maybe something is uh, breaking. Um, for anyone who was watching our videos closely right up through the end of last week, I think we were still pushing pretty hard against the idea that something was going to break here. Uh, I will admit that the data this week certainly was, you know, largely uniformly disappointing, right? You had a, a disappointing as if we're going to unpack what disappointing means. Uh, the PMIs were disappointing. Clearly, the manufacturing sector has seen some some um, softening that we weren't expecting. The U.S. isms were soft, both manufacturing and um, services this morning, I believe. Uh, you do have this moderation in payrolls. That's a, that's a big, I think we'll unpack that one a little bit. Uh, but I think when you put all that together, you know, there's a sense of moderation here. But as you and I have always said, this is a, we're going to be in the zone of observational equivalence between kind of a recession at some point coming and bending, uh, eventually breaking and Goldilocks. Uh, the idea that something's breaking right now, I just don't I, I don't see it yet in the in the data flow. And certainly this morning's payrolls, I think. People are getting excited and probably overinterpreting how much moderation losses there is. There was a point where 150 was considered a solid report. Uh, moreover, 150 with 30,000 that's strike related, so 180,000 on payrolls. We should be sitting here saying that's a that's a pretty good report. And I don't want to sugarcoat some of the we can. There's all these little things we start to look at, but let's not forget 180. Well, let me let me jump payroll. in here. I mean, I think. I think you're right, and it's it's actually even more than I think what you're just counting there, because I think there are spillovers into the weakness in transport jobs, and in, certainly in the work week in manufacturing, you can see damage. So I think there's in the overall message of this morning's employment report, there's a number of things which are influenced by the uh, UAW strike. There's also another strike that's probably had some impact there as well. 
Um, and I think when you kind of clean that out and you look at it against the backdrop of the last couple of months, there's um, clearly a, uh, an understanding that um, you need to, uh, you know, smooth this and it's not looking all that, you know, weak. If, if anything, as you say, it may not even be weak in, in an absolute sense. However, I would say this, there's two things about this employment report, which raise questions that are more fundamental. One is the, um, the softness in income, which is real. So even if you kind of discount the strike effects, uh, oh it does God. mean that we're starting the quarter with less income being generated for the household circular. And for what it's worth, our, our payroll proxy came off quite sharply at the start of the uh, fourth quarter relative to the third quarter. We're running just a little bit above 3% annualized, at least October over the third quarter, which is a, a very um, volatile measure for the first month of the quarter. And then the second thing is- well, We'll get back to the second, so I, I don't want to lose your thought there, but just since you mentioned income, I mean, just last week, we were saying that the third quarter income message yeah. was one that was not only strong for the third quarter, but was a message that was going to have legs that gave you support into the fourth quarter. Is that something that you're saying, well, one month's payroll is going to make me throw that idea away? Or are you, is it just- Well, I think, it's, I think it depends. I think, I think my point here is that the strike effect is going to wash out in, in the sense you'll go back to your trajectory here. But I think what you're getting is that- um, in the month of October, there was a hit here. People were on strike. They didn't uh, get their, uh, they didn't get their paychecks. Um, there was a few, few, some people didn't work as many hours in the uh, collateral damage industries. And so there was a loss of income. The trajectory in the third quarter is strong. And I think that's an important point. And that will have bearing on how easy, uh, how well people might be able to smooth this. But I think what you're seeing in the October report is there was a, for the month of October, uh, and I think we can now suggest that that's going to unwind because you'll get a rebound in November. There's an income hit and that that income hit could um, have some uh, uh, reverberations in terms of how people's behavior moves. It's the October loss versus the third quarter strength that you're kind right. of playing off. And I would yep. say that given that you had that third quarter strength, you put less uh, concern perhaps on something uh, particularly going going wrong here. But then there's the second point. And I think the second point yep. is is just the... Um, you know, the the bean counting of recession dynamics, which is recessions are always about the unemployment rate going up. And we now have a, a half a percentage point rise in the unemployment rate over six months. There are a lot of different ways people use metrics to say, hey, this is a signal you're in recession. But, you know, to my mind, the, the point here is the unemployment rate's going up. Uh, it's oftentimes the case that uh, the uh, employment uh, data in the establishment survey is not accurately reflecting where you are at a point in time. And when you're sliding into recession, it tends to be slow in capturing things. And I think there's a, a, a reliability question about the moves in the unemployment rate as a signal of business cycle swings that people are you know, latching onto now and saying a five-tenths rise in the unemployment rate is suggesting, uh, if, if not exactly on all the metrics that would be there, it's pretty darn close to the metrics that would say, hey, you've slid into recession. And I think that's an issue which certainly my conversations this morning, that was probably the, the single biggest haven't, thing. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, haven't we had a, a, a five-tenths rise in the unemployment rate at some point, this expansion already? I mean, at, at a different uh, point that then moved back down? I feel like there. I, I feel like we've been having this conversation for, you know, over the course of the expansion, and it reflects the fact that the unemployment rate got so low that we're seeing kind of some, some pickup. Uh, and... I don't think I don't think we have. And, and, the, and the, by the way, just to be very precise, 
I think the the SOM rule, the one that people pay attention to, has not been hit. It's that one is basically saying that the three month average um, goes over half a percent, half a percent or higher over the low for the uh, last twelve months, and we haven't hit that yet. We're we're probably point three five above above that on a three month average basis. But nonetheless, the trajectory, uh, the you know the the move up in the unemployment rate is getting people's attention there. And I, I think the point I would make is that. If you want to think about what's driving the unemployment rate up, you have to recognize that even with today's drop in labor force that we've been running uh, 189,000 per month on on labor force growth this year, that's been a pretty big rise relative to what people think are the demographic trends. And that has had some impact pushing the unemployment rate up. The other thing is if you're thinking that, well, the household survey is doing a better job tracking employment than the establishment survey, well, if you look at the household survey experimental series, which is defined to be aligned with the establishment survey, um, the last uh, six months on uh, the household survey is up 210,000 and, and uh, the house, the establishment survey is 230. So the difference there is insignificant. The, the dynamic here, which gets into wonkiness, is that um, a number of categories of the household survey that are different than the establishment survey, including people who are working multiple jobs, including people who are on unpaid leave, including self-employed, are now flattering the establishment survey relative to the household survey in terms of job count. And you can decide- The question is whether those categories that are not in the establishment definition are actually the signaling content for recession dynamics, right? And as long as we've had this series that compares the two measures, they haven't diverged going into a recession. So that basically mm-hmm. captures three recessions. So it's not yeah. a long enough time series to get a lot, but you don't but have- I mean, point. I think that's an important point to know, which is, 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 I mean, just to boil it down, it's kind of like the fear over the household survey signal is is maybe a bit overblown given some of these uh, measurement issues. Right. And then I think we get back to the kind of the core issue we we're debating up front, which is we are- um, seeing momentum uh, slip as we go from third to fourth quarter. It's something we expected. Are we right. being um, surprised here? And I, I personally think, and you you basically said it up front, that the message from the establishment survey, once you adjust for strike, is not really shaking anything. I think it, the PMIs are, are more, yeah, are more, exactly. are more of a exactly. challenge. I'm not worried about the payroll report at all. I mean, I, I think it's the business surveys that that worry me a bit more. Yeah, we kind of fall back into the if it's not broke, don't doubt it. And, you know, we kind of dipped into that well once earlier in the summer and that proved right. You know, thank you very much. But here we are now moving in and the PMIs are rolling over again. And we while we don't look at the point to point estimates on this thing because it doesn't track well, the, the, the momentum trends are a little concerning. And the orders to inventory ratio moving back below that that uh, kind of one handle that we had gotten to, which is already very weak, but <laughs> seemed like it was moving in the right direction, That that is concerning. Europe is yeah. still concerning. Um, the, the US-ism is a sense of you know something that we should be a little concerned about. And I, and I just wanna make the point that the issue here is not that industry isn't lifting, it lifted in the summer. The issue is that the surveys are not validating that that lift has legs. So there's every reason to be concerned that we're gonna lose momentum here because we're not seeing that follow through in orders, um, in the orders inventory ratio 
uh, in whatever detail you want to look at in that survey. It's not giving continue, by the way, just data points continue to get mixed messages out of Asia. Definitely tech sector continues to look stronger. Korea, Japan, both showing tech improving. But I think the overall IP numbers were not so great, um, you know, particularly out of out of Japan that came after some strength. But, um, you know, there's a sense that the broad manufacturing sector in Asia, which tends to lead the cycle, is struggling. And by the way, that is consistent with the worry that, you know, I've been flagging for the last couple months about CapEx pulling back. Right. So while yeah. the good consumer goods sector has been holding up, CapEx still looks on the soft side here. And our CapEx Nowcaster looks like a stall in the second half. And that should play through to your kind of non-tech related components. And you see it in the in the IP data through September. Yeah. So let's shift gears here. And I mean, I think it would have been a bit more interesting to talk about the Fed if we had a stronger employment report. But uh, we should say yeah. at least a few things here about Powell's press conference, the Fed this week, um, as well as we might want to talk a little bit about others. The BOJ is interesting as well. But, um, you know, I, I, from my perspective, Powell already raised the bar here somewhat for the Fed to, to think about moving again. There's no doubt he gave us a, a, a press conference and, and, this, and the Fed gave us a statement which maintained a hawkish bias. But his, you know, focus in the press conference, while not by any means undermining that bias, put more weight on the tightening and financial conditions, put more weight on the positive news and bringing inflation down than the things you might have thought he could have been expressing some concern on, including the very strong demand in the third quarter uh, and some of the more uh, you know recent signs that there's some firming on the uh, core inflation front. So you know I think he put the bar higher in terms of yeah. what it would take for the Fed to, to have to hike. Uh, and obviously the payroll report uh, not only didn't come to that bar, but it actually pushed things even even somewhat lower. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like if you just listen, rewind at this tape, you know, the 15 minutes or 10 minutes ago, I think we were sitting here saying that actually it wasn't that bad of a report. I I understand Powell, you know, worrying about the, the movement up in the long end. And if he had just kind of really hammered that repeatedly and balanced that against an economy that looks like it's probably doing better than they had anticipated, I, I would get that. And I would even take it as a as a dovish message. But I, I don't understand how you can go from the September FOMC and take the data that you've had since then, which was a much stronger than expected payroll report in September, a stronger than expected CPI report with everyone and their brother knowing CPI is going to accelerate further into year end, uh, stronger than expected retail sales report, stronger than expected GDP report for the third quarter with lots of strong income readings there. You've got a sense that spending in October is holding up. And then, then you got this payroll report, which I agree, people are interpreting as soft, but I, I, I hope people are hearing what we're saying, which is it's really not that bad of a report. But, but Joe, All I think that for him to say, like, oh, we're making progress here, what progress have you made in the last where how has your news been updated in the last couple of months from where you were in September? Other so, than the, the long end moving up. So well, the long end moving up does matter and I it think, does. that's why i started I think, this by saying, if I he think, was only focused on that i would get it but everything else has moved in the opposite direction all right so you can you can debate whether he's um you know reading the news in the right way but i don't think we can debate that he did uh, i think 
tilt yeah, I, uh, I, I, in, a, in a direction which raised the bar for the Fed to go. And then I think on the on the employment report today, I think, you know, look, it, it, the issue here is not whether the Fed's worried about the economy going into recession. But I think if you look at this report in its entirety, which has slowing demand, there's obviously some some strike effects here, which they're going to look through. But it has moderating wage inflation, has a rising unemployment rate. You don't need to have a growth scare here to say, OK, you know, with policy rates where they are and yields having moved up. This is not the kind of report that gets you to think about having to raise rates again. And I think that's the, you know, there's no, there's not in the fact that core inflation went from two, four up to three, four, three, five, or whatever we think it is going to be by December. Well, that will matter, but it won't drive the <laughs> Fed to tighten if we're okay. still feeling that the economy is slowing to one and a half and payroll growth is uh, moderated without putting uh, uh, downward pressure on the unemployment rate. If anything, we've got upward pressure. I think they're going to be patient here in that environment. I, you know, I think, I, you know, from my point of view, to get the Fed to tighten uh, in December, you needed uh, both the run rates on core inflation to be 0.3s in the, the two reports we get before the meeting, and you needed to have payroll growth of 200,000 or stronger. And we're clearly not getting that, although you can quibble with how you cut the, cut the noise versus signal there. But I do think the entirety of this report, not just the uh, the growth indicators from it, but the pressures on the labor market more generally uh, do take pressure off of, of him. And, uh, you know, I think you combine Where that. Where do you with, think GDP is tracking this quarter? I think one and a half is about right for the moment. Uh, mm -hmm. Everything I can everything say. Uh, upside to that, closer to two, but okay. Well, you had a week, you know, you, you, again, you, it's a little bit hard if, in the sense that if we take the news this week, the surveys, uh, the ISM was somewhat weaker. Uh, PMI was a little bit better, but not much. If you look at the payroll report today, obviously you're starting the quarter off with the week hours numbers, but you, you think that could bounce back in November, but you're not sure how much it's going to bounce back. So, you and know, I'd say productivity can help you there. It could. Um, but, you know, I'd, I'd say coming into the week, I probably would have said around our one and a half, there was some upside. Now I'm feeling closer to balance on it. Um, but, um, you know, we'll see. There's a lot of, you know, you don't get too tied to a GDP forecast this early in the in the reporting season on what we know. We really don't have October data on anything other than employment. So um, yeah. I guess we'll see. Uh, do we want to say anything about any other central bank before we close up here? Well, just that I think there's probably a lot of uh, central banks around the world breathing a sigh of relief from this this week's news and the payroll report, taking pressure off the Fed, <laughs> including the BOJ for that matter, who I think, you know, obviously, um, you know, further loosened the YCC definition or what, I don't even know what that, I didn't know what that was in July and they kind of further got rid of it now. Uh, but still had to be entering the market pretty aggressively uh, in a world where they felt like there was pressure on the on, on their yields. Um, this takes a lot of pressure off them, I would expect. Well, I think we could just say that last Friday we sat here with an, an 484 10-year yield and we're at 453. So we have gone down 30 basis points in, in a week. That's 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 a pretty Not only that, but I concrete think, sign uh, of the pressure coming off. If I'm not mistaken, I think markets are now pricing 100 basis points of cuts by next year, end of next year. Is that right? Um, pulling it up? 
I yeah, by the end of next year. No, I don't think it's by the end of next year. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's pretty close to 100 basis points. You're right. I mean, that's so, nuts, right? I mean, it's, I, it's not nuts it's if we're in a recession. Question of, I mean, I guess you and I wouldn't have a problem with that. This is, remember how I started all this? We had these three compu competing themes of a near-term recession, a recession later, and Goldilocks. All of the, really, I think the recession later and Goldilocks could have the Fed cutting quite a bit uh, by the end of next year. This is all this observational equivalence period between these these themes. I, I personally, if we if we if we have a recession that obviously starts now, the Fed's going to cut a lot. But if we have a recession in our boiling the frog scenario that starts in the middle of next year, I, I think policy rates will be more than 100 basis points lower exactly. by the end of next year. So, you know, yeah, if, you, if you put some 60, 40 probability on recession sometime next year and 40 on a soft landing saying by the end of next year, rates are 100 basis points down. That doesn't feel to me out out of line with our yeah. our baseline forecast. It's just the getting the, the, the timing is what's really a tricky here right now in our boiling the frog scenario. For me, what's most important, and I would think what's most important for markets and listeners is, do we think we're breaking into a recession this quarter or early next year? Let's not get cute about this quarter anymore. Let's just say by the first quarter. Um, yeah, and that's what do you put the odds of that at? Not to put you on the spot. You've put me on the spot on that question before. <laughs> Between now and the end of first quarter recession? Yeah. Well, I would have said to you about 30% before, and now I'll say maybe 35%. Yeah, that's probably about where I'm at. Um, and then it, the odds go cumulatively going up to like the third quarter of next year go above 50%, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we'll see. Anyway, yeah. let's, let's leave it here. Anything uh, next week? I haven't even looked at next week's calendar. We do have Chinese trade. Uh, you know what we I get? We'll get, the services. The, we'll get the we services, get PMIs. We, no, we get SLUS as well, on, I think, on Monday, right? Yeah, it's not much in the U.S. data flow next week to speak of. I think I'm uh, interested to see how much credit tightening is going on. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then the service PMI, global service PMI, which, um, you know. We'll see in terms of tracking overall GDP. That actually has been tracking global GDP relatively well. So um, keep an eye on that one. Yep. All RBA's right. Let's... Next week. <laughs> You're not going <laughs> to let me end this thing, are you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got to go write a cover. You're at yeah. Ann Arbor. God knows what you're doing, but I got to go finish the <laughs> publication. So we'll end it here. Thanks, everybody. And I uh, hope we can continue the conversation next week on The Weekender. Take care.